We're continuing our Family Matters series this morning. And throughout this series, we've been looking at how the family of faith molds and shapes us, how it nurtured and formed our identity. We experienced how powerful it was to worship together as the family of faith. We've seen how the family of faith supports us and sends us out into the world as kingdom builders. And this morning, we're going to look at what happens when there are struggles in the family of faith, specifically from the viewpoint of sibling rivalry. Now, Andy and I just so happen to be raising two siblings for the last 17 years or so. When they were little, Maddie and Jackson would fight over the simplest and the most insignificant things, the amount of toothpaste on their toothbrushes, who got to climb into the back seat first. They once fought over who was the hungriest to eat dinner while they were eating breakfast. (laughs) Siblings sometimes fight over ridiculous things. I imagine if my father was here today, he would say the same thing about me and my siblings. Growing up, we fought over some of the most ridiculous and insignificant issues. One of the biggest sibling rivalry stories involves my sister and my brother, my cousin and I, as we were playing a game of badminton one summer. It was a fun, casual game where we weren't even keeping score. But then my sister said that it was her turn to serve, and since it was actually my turn to serve, I strongly disagreed. And we argued. And then my brother and my cousin shared their own opinions on the matter, and I won't go into all the details, but the story ends with badminton rackets flying and hitting heads and knees. We all left the game with bumps and bruises or limping. And despite the fact that it has been almost 40 years since this badminton brawl happened, we still argue regularly about who struck who and with what part of the racket. So if my father was here today, he would probably tell you that sibling rivalry still continues even into adulthood. Sometimes families struggle, but before we look closely at these family matters, Will you please join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we know that you are with us in this moment and in all the moments to come. May your spirit move among us and those watching online. Open our hearts to hear the message you would have for us this morning. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. In our Bible story today is one that comes as a result of a sibling disagreement and conflict. It's Mary versus Martha. You know, that's all I have to say. You already know what the story is. It's one of the top stories of sibling rivalry in the Bible. Martha and Mary have drastically different ideas of what should happen when Jesus came to visit in their home. One sister set to work being hospitable while the other sat down to listen and learn, which leads to some petty sniping and jealousy and fighting. So let's look at this story as appears in the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. More than often when we listen and reflect on this story, we put the focus on the fight and the differences between service and study. I mean, poor Mary and Martha, they're forever depicted as standing against each other in opposition. Far too often we use this story to justify pitting one expression of belief and faith against another. We take this short passage from Luke and we turn it into a dichotomy of discipleship with Mary on the upside and Martha clearly on the down. Maybe that's because the story is one we can see ourselves in. Anyone who has ever savored the luxury of taking time for spiritual rest and reflection amid busyness and long to-do list feels Mary's relief when Jesus affirms her choice to sit at his feet. And anyone who has ever been the last one out of the kitchen only to walk into the room with more work to be done while everyone else has been sitting and chatting feels the sting of Jesus' words as he lauds Mary's choice over Martha's. When we hear this passage, we tend to assume that Jesus praises Mary to teach us that service is empty without personal reflection and listening. Mary sat and listened to Jesus. She made the better choice. She chose the one needed thing. Martha's the one who chose busyness and service instead of reflection, and she received a very curt and strong response from Jesus. The message that we take is to not get so distracted by doing that we forget to sit and be with Jesus. But the truth is, when I read this passage, I think Martha deserves more empathy and understanding than we usually give her. I'm not so sure that Martha's focus on service is all that horrible. Is the message really supposed to be that sitting and not helping someone who is clearly overwhelmed is the right choice? Is it really righteous to choose study over serving and hospitality towards others? Whenever I read this passage, I usually find myself asking, what in the world is wrong with being a Martha? Martha seems to represent those action-oriented people, those responsible people, women, men, who you know will get the job done. I am certain that the church would not exist today without the Marthas of the world, without the women and men who actually do the bulk of the work. Every Sunday I'm reminded very clearly how much is done by and how important the many Marthas are who help us prepare for this time worshiping God. If the better choice is to always be in study and prayer, if everyone was a Mary, how would anything get done? Who would decorate the worship space? Who would prepare the communion elements? Who would make the coffee and lay out the donuts? 
Who would turn on the AC and unlock the doors? Who would run tech or clean the pews? Marthas are a vital part of any church. <laughs> so maybe the lesson that we have to learn from our text this morning isn't really about siding with Martha or Mary. Maybe it's not about Mary sitting or Martha serving. Maybe the lesson is in the rivalry that Martha invents with Mary. You see, it is about Martha, but it's not about her service. The problem is not that Martha is so busy serving. The problem is how she chooses to respond to how other people are connecting to Jesus in a different or unexpected way, a way that is not hers. Martha becomes angry at Mary for sitting around. Martha believes she's justified that her anger is righteous because Mary is not doing it like Martha would. Mary's not doing what Martha thinks she's supposed to be doing. Mary is not doing what Martha wants her to do. Isn't that the foundation of so many of our disagreements, not just in our own families, but within the family of God? Someone is doing things in a way that we would prefer them not to, that we don't like, that we don't find valuable, that we would do differently if we were in charge. So we fight because we want them to do things like us. And that's why Martha turns to Jesus. She's certain that he would be on her side. And so she asked Jesus to tell Mary just how wrong Mary is for not being like her. She wants Jesus to yell at Mary, and Jesus responds to Martha with wisdom and patience and says, and I'm paraphrasing here, no. <laughs> there Mary is in the living room, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teaching. Mary is fulfilling the role of a disciple, listening to her rabbi, a role that was not usually allowed to be filled by women. Mary is in the kitchen, or Martha's in the kitchen, doing the traditional role for women, up to her elbows in dishes and serving trays and food. Martha's upset. And I think instead of actually being upset with Mary, maybe the person Martha is upset with is herself. The problem's not Mary. It's not what she's doing or not doing. The problem is within Martha, which is why Jesus seeks to teach Martha the lesson and not Mary. Jesus tells Martha that she's distracted. The Greek word that's used for distracted, that's used in this passage, means to be pulled, to be dragged away, to be split. Martha is going in two directions at once, trying to be two things at once. She's focused on responding to the very presence of Jesus in her home with hospitality, and she's focused on how others, namely her sister, is responding to the presence of Jesus in a different way. The conflict in the story is not between Mary and Martha, it's between Martha and herself. The lesson that we need to carry away from this passage is that when it comes to our life of discipleship, we do not need to compete with what surrounds us. Those distracting things in our lives, be it the service we do or the people who don't do what we do, we don't need to compare our discipleship to others. That's not who we are called to be in the family of God. Paul makes this clear when he describes the church as the actual body of Christ. And I cannot compare itself to a hand because comparison 
competition, wondering who is better, leads us down a harmful path. One that rarely ends with acceptance, but rather in the secured certainty of one who wins at the expense of another. That doesn't make us the family of God. That makes us rivals. We live in a society where we are constantly comparing ourselves to others, from the grades we got in school to our job titles at work. We're too easily distracted by what the people next to us are doing that we often forget to look at our own lives. We're called to imitate Christ, not to imitate anyone else. We're called to love our neighbors, not to scrutinize their discipleship. We're called to follow Jesus, not to race each other to the finish line of heaven. Comparison and competition are not family values. The one needed thing The better decision that Mary makes is not the decision to study. The better decision she makes is to know and to answer her call, even if it's different from ones that surround her. Whereas the time, as was at the time, not what society would expect, Mary makes the better choice because her choice is based on Jesus. She forgoes social customs and norms and even family expectations to listen to what Jesus wants from her. Martha's mistake is not that she's focused on service. Martha is distracted by comparing her call to the call of Mary and then by taking it a step further and asking for help in making Mary follow the same call as her. When Jesus responds to Martha's plea, Jesus is not scolding her for her hospitality and service. He's trying to make her see that she has been judging the actions or inactions of Mary through the lens of her own personality. The story of Martha and Mary teaches us that when our happiness depends on what others are doing, we give them far too much power over us. When we judge the actions of others based on how we ourselves move through the world, that's what distracts us from the better part. The one needed thing that we should focus on is to remember who we are and how we are called. There is room for everyone in the family of God, and there is no need, there is no purpose, there is no room for sibling rivalry among us. We need both Mary and Martha's to help bring about the kingdom of God. There are a ton of rivalries that we live in that become uh, things that distract us, rivalries at work, within society, within our neighborhood, and communities within our own families. Living our lives in competition with in opposition to, in judgment of others, keeps us anxious. It distracts us. It pulls us in different directions. This passage is not about which sister was right. Choosing the better part isn't about choosing between action and contemplation. It isn't about serving or sitting at Jesus' feet. Choosing the better part is not judging the actions of others through our lens of our own experiences. Because when we do so, it's just a distraction from the one needed thing, our sacred identity and our call. The better part that Mary recognizes and that Martha is distracted from is that each of us is a beloved creation of a God who loves us immensely. That each of us is created in the image of God, unique and different and our own masterpiece. 
that each of us is called by God to bring about the kingdom of God in unique and individual ways. This story is a reminder about what the family of God is supposed to be. Our role in the family of God is not to decide who is worthy to belong or what their role should be. Sibling rivalry has no place in the family of God. The better thing that Mary chooses is not about what she does, but that she accepts the invitation to be who she is. She sees herself, not as the world sees her, not as Martha sees her, but as God sees her. That's our role in the family of God, to help each other see ourselves as God sees us. The family of God struggles when it focuses on comparison, when we keep track of who and what and how God is calling those around us. We miss hearing our own call. And often it prevents others from hearing their call too. It leads to the dysfunctional, the disturbing belief that not all are worthy of God's regard and love. Jesus is calling Martha, Jesus is calling us out of these rivalry-based relationships and into full participation in God's kingdom. You know, here in just a moment's time, we will celebrate communion together as the family of God. And it's important to remember that the table is not ours to invite to or to limit access to. This table of God is open to all. It's large enough to fit everyone around it, even if they hear the invitation differently than we do. It's in communion where we are not divided by our comparisons of one another. It's in communion that we celebrate what we have in common, one table, one love, one God. As you come to God's table this morning, remember, you are who you are in the family of God matters. Don't get distracted from the one thing. You are called by God. And your call is unique to you, created for you by the one who formed you and knows you deeply. Will you join me in a moment of prayer?